0: saving sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And it's time to remember that, the washing away of our sins, making us righteous before you, God. We turn now in our attention and our time to your word, your scriptures, and the message brought forth by James with the Holy Spirit, God. We pray that You show us what we need to see and hear today. We ask all this in your wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen. In November of 2020, a small group of individuals in the Grove City area of Ohio started a grassroots effort on GoFundMe to raise money for a life-changing Christmas gift. The recipient of this gift, Jackie Worthy, Seemed on the surface an ordinary sanitation worker in Columbus, Ohio. But the individuals who got to know Jackie would tell you something completely different. Having moved to Columbus, Ohio as a teenager, leaving behind a less than ideal family situation in Tennessee, he came north to begin his adult life close to his aunt that he had a great relationship with. In December of 2019, while out with his girlfriend for the evening, a few inebriated men... Began harassing them. Quick to defend his girlfriend's honor and trying to keep the peace, Jackie stood up to them. Now, this caused an altercation, with Jackie, Jackie ultimately getting punched in the face. This led to two broken and two missing teeth. And sadly enough, this came just one week after Jackie turned down insurance with his employer because of the rising costs. Now, what's interesting about the story is that it wasn't the missing teeth that, that got Jackie noticed, but rather his kindness, his joy, and his, uh, this amazing ability to encourage those around him, even in his seemingly mundane work life. And even though it was challenging and hard for him to share a smile, that's exactly what he did on many occasions offering a smile and a wave to just about everybody he saw. One such person on a gray and drizzly rainy day, as he was picking up trash cans, he he noticed this woman who was crying in her car. In an effort to cheer her up, he did what he does. He smiled and he waved at her, and from then on, every single week, he just grabbed her trash cans and brought them up to her house from the curb. But this wasn't the only person whose spirits he had lifted. While out early one morning, a woman taking her moody son to cross-country practice and really in need of a a really good um, mood lifter, booster, witnessed Jackie hopping off his truck, and he just started dancing. (laughs) He followed the moonwalk with a quick wave, and this left the two just laughing and smiling, quick to share this encouragement with those on Facebook. Many commented on the post with phrases similar to, well, that sounds like Jackie. Now, Mark Segrist, who had also been encouraged by Jackie on multiple occasions, got to know him and, and offered a consultation with a friend who was a dentist. After seeing the extent of the damage that Jackie received, the dentist friend agreed to do the needed dental work at a major discount. Mark Segrist and a group of individuals blessed. <laughs> By Jackie's charisma and kindness, took to GoFundMe to raise the funds necessary. And according to the GoFundMe page, not only were they going going on faith to raise the funds necessary to give Jackie his smile back, but they also wanted to help him with other personal needs, such as car repairs that uh, had kept him from being able to use his own vehicle. He had to take public transportation and expensive Uber rides just to go from work. home and to get groceries. They were were even able to uh, get him professional attire to wear. As of December 2021, Jackie had his last permanent implants installed after extensive prep work due to the trauma and the bone loss that he had received. The GoFundMe page also raised a total of just over $22,000. Jackie sent an updated picture and purposely cropped the word freedom on his shirt. As Mark Segrist put it, for him there is freedom. A freedom to eat what he wants. A freedom to smile. And a freedom to no longer use Polident as a 23-year-old. Now I share this story for many reasons. For one... It shows that there are people just like Jackie everywhere who experience trials and hardships. And although this may get them down, they still push through. They still share a smile and share the joy and kindness to those around them, despite what they've encountered. I share it because it also shows faith, faith that people would hear Jackie's story and donate to bless this man with a Christmas gift of a smile, a smile that would encourage everybody around him for the rest of his life. I share it because it shows faith in a stranger. It shows faith in humanity. And ultimately, it shows faith in action. Now, as I've mentioned many times over the past few weeks, James expresses, he warns, he encourages us, and he reminds us that a changed life, a life marked by the saving grace of Jesus is not silent. This life bears fruit in conduct, in character, in action. It's not quiet. Authentic faith produces. In the second chapter, starting at verse 14, James addresses what so many say about faith. And he tells us what true, authentic faith means. And then he gives examples of that kind of faith. But to understand this passage even better, We have to take it as a whole first before we delve into all the specifics. Now, there are many individuals who often use these passages to show that James and Paul held two completely different views. And according to these individuals, the belief is that Paul emphasizes that we're saved by faith alone and that deeds just don't come in into the process at all. And then they say that what James says completely contradicts Paul. But this is not the case. James actually complements Paul's message and takes it a step further. And to understand how James complements this idea of justification through faith and to understand what it means to be an authentic Christ follower, we have to define faith and the process. So, read with me in your Bibles if you've turned to it in James chapter 2, verse 14, or up on the screen. Says this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith. By itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. but someone will say, "Well, you have faith and I have deeds. well, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. you believe there's one God good even the demons believe that, and they shudder. So looking at this passage as a whole we we kind of break it down a little bit here and And we're seeing right now that James is telling us that faith means believing. At first glance, these verses, we we just might assume that it does read as if James disagrees with Paul, specifically with Paul's emphasis on grace and faith and James' on action and work. In reality, James is not condemning what Paul is saying. James is condemning a distortion of what Paul is saying. He gives evidence of these individuals distorting Paul's claim in this passage. Paul says in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Paul's position is made very clear in this verse. Now, the significance we attach to this command centers upon the meaning that we attach behind the word believe. There's belief that's only intellectual. This kind of belief has absolutely no effect upon a life. For instance, you can believe and know and even prove that salt is a combination of the elements sodium and chloride. Yet knowing that probably has no effect on your life, right? You don't drastically alter your behavior just because you know those elements are the backbones of salt. But then there's another kind of belief. For instance, I believe that five plus five make 10. And so therefore, I will not pay more than $10 for two items marked at $5 each. That alters what I do. That alters my behavior knowing them. And I take action on them. We know that that's not only a fact, but we show it with our lives and our actions. James is saying that there are those claiming that the first kind of belief is all that's necessary, and that's what he's condemning, those who claim to be Christians without showing it. For him and even Paul, to believe in Jesus means to take that belief into every single action. In every single situation in our lives, and live by it, the fact remains that, that no one can be saved by works and things that we do. We cannot earn our way. God gives the gift of salvation freely. But just believing this and knowing this does not save us. For this, James uses an example that would shock his readers. He specifically shows and states that even even the demons have faith. Demons know that God is real. They know the deity of Christ. This is why the demons possessing the madman at Gadara begged Jesus to move them elsewhere. They saw Jesus coming. They felt him. They felt his power. And even they show some form of action from their belief. They shudder, they tremble. But it's not a saving experience to believe and tremble. A person can believe and, and even be stirred in their heart, but without acting upon that stirring and that belief, it doesn't show a changed life. Which brings us to our second point. First, James tells us that faith means believing. Then he says faith means trusting. For this, James produces examples that the Jewish people to whom he was writing would absolutely understand. He goes on in verse 21. He says, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them on a different direction? So the first step in faith is believing, a belief that changes a person's life. Then the second step is to trust. James presents Abraham and Rahab to demonstrate this this sort of faith, this belief and this trust. God called Abraham out of Ur and told him to go into the land of Canaan. Here he would make a great nation. And it was then through this nation that God would bring Jesus into the world. Abraham Believed God and trusted that God would follow through on his promise. He trusted that God would provide him to his descendants. And because of this belief and trust and then action, God counted him righteous. Now, this is an interesting statement here that we read. Counted or credited him righteousness. This word that we derive the terms counted or accredited is actually like an illegal or financial term. It literally means to put into one's account. So Abraham did not have righteousness before. It was empty. His bank account was empty. So God gave him righteousness. He put it into Abraham where there was none. He received it as a gift, and Abraham trusted God. James reminds us that Abraham offered his son Isaac on the altar, and Hebrews sheds light on this trust in chapter 11. I like to call chapter 11 of Hebrews the Hall of Fame of Faith, and it says this in verse 19 of chapter 11, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham trusted God so much that he figured his son would die. But even when he died, he knew God could bring him back to life. You talk about trust, right? Willing to give the life of your son because of that trust. And then trusting that God could bring him back to life. Now, even Rahab was mentioned in these passages. On one instance, we have a person like Abraham, who was a Jew, a godly man and a friend of God. On the other hand, you had Rahab, who was not a Jew, who was a a sinful woman and who belonged to the enemies of God. But God used both, and both of them showed belief and trust. Rahab trusted that the God of the spies she saved would also save her family from the destruction that she was told was coming. She believed the truth, then trusted, and then put it into action. Solomon in Proverbs chapter three, verse five through six says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord. Lean on his understanding. Believe him. Trust that he sees things that you don't see. And then there's that third point. These verses, this, this entirety of James's message here, is about works. They're about action. First, we remember that there's this process. We believe and then we trust. And then that belief and that trust work together because we take that. We don't just bury that deep down inside. We then do something with it. We act and we obey God because we believe and we trust him. So lastly, faith means acting. Or obeying God. The belief aspect of faith focuses on trust in God, while the active part of faith focuses on thankfulness and gratitude for what was done on the cross and obedience or action then to God's word. This is the real meat of this passage. The true focus and the meaning of faith The belief and trust are mentioned, but it's the action part of faith that ties it all together. Belief and trust are not enough until it's put into action. And this is what James is addressing. If there's one thing that James can't stand, it's the thought of someone claiming to have faith and be a follower of God, yet failing to put it into practice with words and deeds. It's his challenge, if you will. I mean, that's why it was his very first illustration in these verse, Verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? I mean, you could read these passages in a humorous way if it wasn't so sad of an example. It'd be like you seeing a friend in need and, and say something like, oh, that is so horrible and I'm so sorry for you. Well, have a great day. Hope you get those things taken care of. That's nonsense. What, what uses sympathy without turning that sympathy into something practical and affecting this person's life? And the sad reality of, of turning away from those moments and those opportunities to take action is that we become more callous and less likely to do that in the future. And James is calling this kind of faith, the the faith that doesn't take the belief and the trust and put it into action, he calls it dead. A dead faith. I mean, he couldn't have picked a stronger word for this. And so it doesn't matter what you say and, and what you think if you don't act. It doesn't matter how much you talk about it, it's pointless. It's dead if you don't act. And the Greek word here for dead mentioned multiple times carries the same meaning as barren or idle, like money sitting there drawing no interest. This is strong language. And James doesn't say it just one time. He says it three times in this passage. James also addresses the idea that, that Could we separate the two, faith and actions or works? In other words, someone might argue that we could have either faith or works, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to have both, right? But James challenges that, because it's the next half of verse 18 where he basically says there is no separation. There isn't faith and works. There's actually two forms of faith on display here. Faith with and faith without. A living faith and a dead faith. One person has faith without works, and the other one shows their faith by their works. This is the real reason That Abraham and Rahab are mentioned. Not just because they both believed and trusted, but because they took that belief and that trust and they put it into action. Abraham believed and trusted that God could raise his son from the dead. So he obeyed God and did as instructed. And he got so far as raising the knife to slay his son when God sent the angel to stop him. Rahab heard about the incoming destruction of her city, and that truth affected her. So Rahab responded with action after her mind and her heart were affected. She did something about it, risking her life to protect these spies. Both Abraham and Rahab could have had a dead faith or even an intellectual faith, but instead they had a Dynamic faith. That's a lot. These passages are so heavy. And I want to kind of try to put it into perspective for us and to solidify this idea in our minds. And I do a lot of work with children's ministry. and, And one of the things we love doing in children's ministry are object lessons. Object lessons are just ways that we can use what we're learning. And, re- and really remember it. So to do this, I need a volunteer. I need somebody to come up here and help me with this. So do I have somebody that is, is willing to come up here and help me with an object lesson and a demonstration? James, you wanna help me out? All right, come on up here. All right, give him a hand for, he doesn't even have a clue what we're doing yet. All right, James, here's what I'm gonna need you to do. I'm gonna need you to take your hands and hold out these cups just like this. You can do that. So come stand over here. And I need you to trust me and believe me. Turn towards the audience for me. Take this cup. Hold it out. Extend it out. Perfect. Take this one. Hold it out. Extend it out. Perfect. So here we're demonstrating that we believe and we trust and then we act, right? We obey. So would you say that I really have your best interest in mind? That I really care about you and I don't want anything bad to happen to you? Okay, that's good. So would you say that you trust me then if I ask you to do something? All right, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take this cup and you continue holding that one up. Let go of it, there you go, perfect. All right, kind of swish it around a little bit. What do you think I'm gonna ask you to do? I have no idea. Okay, you're gonna take your cup, put it over top of your head just like so. All right, and then what we're gonna do is on the count of three, we're gonna turn the cup over and put it on our heads. Do you believe me? Believe that I have your best interest in mind, and trust me, think you can do that? Yes. All right, you ready? On the count of three, we'll both do it. I'm here with you, okay. so I'm gonna take the spill too, okay? You ready? One, two, three. All right, give him a hand, give him a hand. Thanks, James. Hopefully this idea is solidified in your mind. And do you see what James is telling us? Do you see how what he says complements and demonstrates what Paul was saying? If we first hear the news about Jesus and we believe. Believe that he is God's son, that he died on the cross, that he washed away our sins. This is justification. It's an important doctrine that we as followers of Christ believe. Justification is the act of God where he declares those who are sinners but believe. He declares them righteous. He declares them made right before God. And this justification was accomplished by Christ when he finished his work on the cross. It's not a process It's an act. It's not something that we do. It's something that God does for us when we believe, when we trust him, when we trust Jesus. But how can we tell if a person has been justified and made righteous by God, if that's something that's done between them and God? Abraham's example answers this question for us. The justified person shows and demonstrates a life that is changed, and they obey God's commands and will. Their faith is demonstrated because their belief and trust in God. This person's faith moves from an intellectual and emotional one to a dynamic one involving our own will. Now, Warren Wiersbe, a scholar and author in his book on James, puts it this way. No man can come to Christ by faith and remain the same any more than he can come into contact with a 220-volt wire and remain the same. We understand doing so, either one of those is going to change our life. It's going to affect the way we think, affect the way that we reason, affect the actions that are born out of this change. In a balanced life with a person showing true faith, there is faith and deeds. They're inseparable. Through actions can the faith be proven and then demonstrated to others. Faith will overflow into action. Last week, we we talked about how we are to, to be role models and model Christ. Did you catch that word? model. It's an action verb. It's a verb. It means we have to demonstrate wisdom. We have to demonstrate sacrifice. We have to demonstrate peace. That takes conviction. It takes belief and trust. And it takes putting that belief and that trust and then putting it on display to show others how Jesus has changed you and how Jesus can change them too. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. People don't, put a, don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand that gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. After Jesus' resurrection and his meeting with the disciples for breakfast on the beach, He asks Peter, do you love me, Peter? In an act of redemption for Peter denying knowing Jesus three times, three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter responds, yes, you know I do, Lord. But that wasn't all. That wasn't all Jesus said there. For each time that he asked Peter if he loved him, he also Issued a command. Feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, if you trust me, put that love, put that trust, put that into action and feed my sheep. Share Jesus with others. Take care of each other. This is our time now. This is your challenge now, if you will. Jesus is saying to you, Do you love me? If you do, if you trust him, and feed his sheep, put your faith into action. Do you have faith without works? Or do you have faith with works? Ask God to give you the power to put your faith into action to all those around you. Have you ever felt that desire and that need to help someone? Do it then. God has laid that on your heart. Maybe you need to take inventory and ask a close friend to to have them help you evaluate this. Is my faith more on the inside or is my faith more on the outside? Both are good and both are important, but we can have an imbalance. And one of the greatest ways to demonstrate your faith is to show it in baptism. Baptism. You believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross and came back to life, and you want to acknowledge him as the one who is in charge of your life, the one who saved you. Demonstrate your faith by becoming a part of Jesus' body here and look for ways to serve in ministries, ways to share Jesus' love with others. If this is you today and you feel that tug, that call on your heart, I encourage you to do so as we stand and we sing our song of imitation. There is a